Cruise and we're going to pit Disney Cruise Line up against Windstar. Oh, that is an unfair comparison. I, I know it's diff- <laughs> it, it, it is in a lot of ways. That's what we do on the show. We, <laughs> we give you we give people the unfair choices. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And I will start as I have taken to doing by welcoming my fabulous co-host, Samantha Canner, to the show. Welcome, Sam. Why, thank you. I didn't know why they came in your fabulous co-host now before I was just your co-host and the on-air I, I talent. <laughs> the adjectives change just as the green room amenities do for you. Uh, so yes, you are my fabulous co-host. The, the hostess with the mostest, I think, might uh, might be apt for you. Why, thank you. And uh, thank you for the popcorn and the Waterloo strawberry sparkling water in my green room today. Ah, you've you've not no Topo Chico for you today. We're going back to the Waterloo. No, all right. I, I didn't have any cold ones, so... All right. All right. Well, uh, I do just want to quickly remind folks out there that we do have our new voicemail line set up and we want to hear from you. So if you want to call in, leave questions, comments, we will add them to the show and answer them on the air. And so don't forget our phone number is 402. Yes, it's Nebraska. Sorry, Derek and Doug out there from Rope Drop Radio who wrote in, by the way, and told me that getting a 402 area code is a luxury these days. So apparently I got a luxury item here, but the phone is 402-413-5590. 402-413-5590. Just leave us a message there and we will play them on the air and, and answer your questions and comments. So with that, we're excited. We are detouring away from Disney Cruise Line, but staying in the cruising world. We're here to hear all about Windstar Cruises with our fabulous guest, Jennifer from Touring Plans. Welcome, Jennifer. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys about Windstar and our experiences in Tahiti in January. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about Tahiti. It's um, it's on my list. I want to hear more. So, Jennifer, we always start at the top of the show with folks' cruising background. And if you have any experience with Disney Cruise Line, we'd love to hear it. But uh, what's your cruising background? Oh, well, my first cruise was with Celebrity in 2001. My husband and I lived in Fort Lauderdale. So we just took a quick drive over to the port and took our first cruise in the Caribbean. We've been back on Celebrity a couple of times. We have been on all four Disney ships with our kids. We have twins and their first cruise was when they were seven on the Disney Magic. And we've been on the Wonder in Alaska. We've been on the Magic in Northern Europe. Uh, Three-nighter on the Dream. So we've had, and Disney Fantasy, we've done the Caribbean and we were able to do one of those longer 10-night Southern Caribbean cruises with Disney on the Fantasy a couple of years ago. So the kids have sailed. Uh, they started cruising with Disney at age seven. They've been on and they're, they're 18 now. They just graduated high school. So they are very, very sad. They have aged out of Disney's kid and teen clubs and they, they have to stick to the open house hours for those now. Yeah, but now they can join the 1820 Society. That is very true. Yeah. (laughs) There's stuff for every, all ages on Disney Cruise Line. (laughs) Uh, We got to try out Virgin Voyages. I've done Azamara, did Azamara with my mom. We had a a two-week cruise um, through Southeast Asia. Hong Kong to Singapore and Azamara several years ago. And, and we've gotten to, you know, really kind of dip our toes into the water of small ships. We did an uncruise in Alaska and that's a really small ship. We were on their largest ship, which held 80 people. Most of theirs are more in the 40s and 50s in terms of passenger count. So small ship cruising is definitely different than, than the bigger ships with all the activities, but there's still plenty going on. It's just different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, we've had some folks on to talk about, I think, the Uncruise in Alaska. We had maybe Jason Leppert on to talk about that. And we've uh, had some folks on to talk expedition cruising. So, yeah, lots of types of cruising out there. And folks like to say there's a cruise out there for everyone, but not every cruise is for everyone. That's why we love to talk about new cruise lines, new experiences to get them out in front of people in case they want to dip their toes out there, too. So let's talk about Windstar. I am unfamiliar with Windstar. Uh, I've been looking at their site in preparation for the show, but is Windstar owned by another major cruise line or are they independent? Do you know? They're not owned by another major cruise line like you're used to with some companies. They are owned by the Zantera company, which is the company that manages some of the national park concessions, um, the Grand Canyon Railway and those types of things. So if you think about it, it's kind of a good fit in that they're, Windstar is not truly expedition cruising. It's more luxury than that. 
but it does sort of fall in line with the other, the rest of the Zantara family, which includes a tour company that does walking tours of Europe and, and those national parks. So they are owned by somebody, but not a, another cruise line. So that's that's interesting. So where I guess where do they fall in terms of the you know if you think about cruises as budget, uh, family friendly, luxury, <laughs> like you know where where do they fall in terms of the the price point that they're hoping to hit here? Are they closer to like a, a Royal Caribbean than a Disney? Where do they fall? Well, they're going to be a little more upscale than a Royal or even a celebrity. They're more in line with Azamara, Oceana possibly Regent. They the, the pricing does vary because as you see on their website, they've got two dramatically different types of ships as well. They have three ships that have, or they're sailing ships with the sails. Of course, they have motors, but the three sailing ships, and then they have three cruise ships. So they've got two different kind of divisions, the three motor yachts, which are exactly like the big cruise ships. They've got all the same amenities. They have a spa, they have a gym. Everything's just a little bit smaller. Now on the on the sailing ships, are they a lower price point then because you don't have some of those amenities or a higher price point because they usually carry less passengers, right? They, so they tend to kind of run about the same um, between the two, you know, based on special offers. Those the sailing ships, of course, don't have balcony rooms, but even the the motor yachts, the balconies aren't massive, expansive balconies, even in the suite. Some of the regular balcony rooms, it's more like the little Juliet balconies, kind of like at the beach club. The front, the French balcony. That, but you're definitely not laying out there in a lounge chair. But you're saying that on Windstar, I can either live my below deck or below deck sailing yacht dreams. Very close. <laughs> Very close. Love that show. Well, so you were on the Windstar Breeze, I think you said. And actually, off air, you were commenting that they had actually taken the breeze and basically cut it down the middle and expanded the ship by almost something like 30% or, or more. About, yeah. All three of the motor yachts they did that with. So they started it before the pandemic and they've wrapped it up now. All three ships are back sailing again, but they, they literally cut them in half and put in some new suite, put in the spa, put in some new restaurants and, and increased the capacity by about, yeah, about 200 passengers to they say those will hold at max at full capacity 312. And what's the what's the demographic like as far as, you know, ages of the passengers? It, you know, well, clearly not a lot of kids. Children are welcome, but there's no children's activities. So I would imagine they don't see lots of younger children, possibly some families and multi-generational trips aboard. Um, but the demographic is, as you expect, with cruises that come at a higher price point and do usually a little bit more exotic itineraries. So the, the people, we're in our late 40s, we certainly fit right in. And there were some very active folks that were decades older than us as well. Well, and that's a, that's another question I have is how active, because if I think about there's luxury expedition cruising, but you got to be pretty active to be on one of those. So, so how active are folks on these cruises? It is very much up to you. Shore excursions for us in Tahiti, we are certified divers. So we did do some diving, could not pass up the opportunity to, to dive in Bora Bora. So you can scuba dive, you can snorkel, you can kayak. But there were also excursions that were, you know, four by four trips, island tours, um, touring vanilla plantations. So, you know, it's kind of up to you how much you wanted to do. The ship actually does carry aboard ki kayaks. Uh, a speedboat. Some people were water skiing behind it one day. They sort of open up the back, the back uh, ship at the aft end, and they can bring out. They brought out the big floating platforms. You could just sort of hang out there and float and enjoy the water, or, or do some kayaking and, and go around in the protected areas that we were docked in. Well, how did you? I guess how did you decide to try out Windstar? Well, I had clearly heard about them met my sales rep at some conferences and had been interested. We really did enjoy our uncruise and kind of want to explore the world of smaller ship cruising, expedition cruising. And a certified divers definitely wanted to get to French Polynesia, that part of the world. And it's so easy to do with cruising. You know, you can certainly go to Tahiti and, and stay on land. And that's something we want to go back now, now that we've seen it and, and done it and kind of seen what the resorts look like. We'd like to go back and stay longer and do more of a land tour. But we, we definitely wanted to get over there and we definitely wanted to take our dive gear and get in the water. 
Yeah, where did the ship leave from and where did it, you know, stop? Sort of how many how many days was it? Let's talk some of those details. Well, we were on their Dreams of Tahiti itinerary, which they run year round. It's seven nights round trip out of Papete, which is the main airport that is on the island of Tahiti. So when you think of going to Tahiti, that's where you're going to fly into. Flights come out of LAX and San Francisco, and I believe they're going to start flying out of Seattle later this year. And everybody said, oh, the flight is so long, so long. It's about four hours past Hawaii. So it's about four more hours further to fly than Hawaii. So we flew in, landed on the island of Tahiti, stayed a night at the, no, two nights at the Intercontinental, and then got on the ship. So we had a little bit of time to adjust to the time change and explore that gorgeous resort. But it's a seven-night itinerary round trip. The distance sailed is not far. <laughs> we were not motoring quickly in any, at any point. But we, uh, we went to Morea, Reatea, Bora Bora, and Waini are the, the places we stopped. And then we had one day on a motu, which is a private island. It's just a little bit smaller than what we think of as a private island in terms of Castaway Cay and Coco Cay. And oh, we had a day, private island. They brought the buffet and everything. They carried it off the ship and we had a day to enjoy. And we could walk around that island in about four minutes. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Goodness. So it's like a little, really <laughs> tiny, tiny. It island. was a tiny little thing. Oh, that's amazing. So for our listeners, just to help you orient to where Tahiti is, it is South Pacific. And yeah, I can see how it would be an extra four hours past away. It's almost directly south of the mm-hmm. Hawaiian Islands. But it's, it's a little even, almost even with Santiago, Chile. So having flown home from Valparaiso, Chile to Atlanta, that was like an eight hour flight. So yeah, I'm guessing you, you had to spend about eight hours on a plane to get <laughs> to get to, uh, to Tahiti. Yep. It was, it was an adventure. Yeah. Well, and what's so being in the South Pacific, you know, Hawaii's weather can at times get a little finicky. How was the weather on your sailing? Because you were in January, your end of January. We right? were we were in January, which is supposed to be the wet season. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. We had maybe one day of light rain, but we had just just gorgeous weather, perfect temperatures, no complaints at all. So apparently, we got very very lucky. There were several people on board who had been on for the sailing before, which I think was about. 10 night, slightly different itinerary. And then they'd stayed on because if you're going to fly that far. You might as well stay. So they had extended for about a seven or 18 night total back to back sailing. And they had had some, some wetter, rainier days the week before, but our week um, was just gorgeous. So let, can we talk a little bit about the details of what's included and what's not? Can you give us some idea of what kinds of things that, you know, either are similar or different in what's included uh, or not included on one of these small small ship cruises. For this particular cruise line, it's priced very similar to what everyone is more familiar with. They price the cruise fare and for Windstar, they have packaged together an add-on. So they call it their all-inclusive package, but it's an add-on to the base cruise fare. And if you choose to add it, it's $89 a day for beverage package, Wi-Fi, and prepaid gratuities. But it comes to $89 a person a day. So they do not roll all that into the pricing like some smaller ship or some more luxury cruise lines do, or even celebrity with their always included where they're rolling everything in. Windstar is choosing to keep it a little more separate and let people decide what they want to add on. Some people don't want to be connected and don't want the internet, so they don't have to add it. Some people don't drink alcohol. So Windstar is keeping it at this point, the way the pricing is set up, it's a little more optional if you want to add that add on. But if you do want to add it, $89 a person a day for all of that, your prepaid gratuities, your beverage package, and your Wi-Fi, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, that is a pretty good deal. Do they not have then, you know, sort of a la carte options for uh, alcohol or for Wi-Fi? Yes, yes, yes. You could do those things separately. But if if you're going to do drinks, you might as well just do the Wi-Fi too. No, that, that definitely makes sense. What about um, excursions? Are, are those part of your cruise fare or are those something that you add on? And, 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 if, and if it's some, you know, what is included and what's, kind of, what's not? It worked exactly like we're all used to with our other cruise lines. They had brochures, they had a shore excursion desk. 
we could, you know, choose them ahead of time and add them to our account ahead of time. And everything's priced individually. And as crazy as it sounds, there are opportunities in those sports to tour independently. There are independent tour operators for folks that want to book things separate from the cruise line. Those opportunities are there as well. A little girl growing up in Kentucky, I never dreamed I would go to Bora Bora. (laughs) I'm not sure I knew what Bora Bora was. But there was, you know, there was rental cars, a couple of rental cars available there. When you made it to the, the dock, you could have, have gone around on your own or most people did choose to use Windstar's excursions and do these different tours. But the options are there. So really, um, that didn't look any different than it would look like, um, you know, Disney on a seven night Caribbean. Well, Jennifer, we need to become fast friends here because I am also from Kentucky originally. So there you oh, go. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm here. <laughs> and, he ne- and he never dreamed of going to Boston. Bora Bora as a little boy and growing I up in Kentucky. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm curious about rooms on board the ship and what folks should expect. I understand there's going to be a difference between the sailing ships and the motor yachts, but on the, the boat you, that you were on or the ship that you were on, what are kind of like the room categories that people can expect and how do they compare to more sort of traditional cruise cabins? Very, very similar to traditional cruise. Windstar calls them all suites, and they are definitely expanded with more square footage. On the motor yacht, even there, the base room, the smallest room was 277 square feet. So we had a bathroom with a double sink and a nice full-size shower and plenty of room to spread out and be in. And, you know, of course, they've got up to two and three bedroom suites as well in the corner suites. So everything is, is when it came to the stateroom was a little bigger than what we're used to on on a different cruise line. But lots of room, sitting area, but still had all the amenities, you know, mini fridge and things that we're used to having as well. And um, you know, Disney's famous for its like split bathroom. Did you find a nice spacious I'm sure they didn't have a split bathroom, but <laughs> did you find a nice spacious bathroom on board too? It was a gorgeous, spacious bathroom. We each had our own sink, so no fighting. There's a walk-in closet. Um, every room has an, an actual walk-in closet. We did a river cruise last September, and, and the closet, the bathroom was smaller on the river cruise, but the closet was had a walk-in closet there. So that's um, kind of something different than what we're used to, but there's plenty of room to, as if you were on one of those longer itineraries, or if you were like us and brought all your own dive gear, you needed that closet space to fit it all in there. And and what kind of room did you have on have on board? We we were in the ocean view suite, so we did not have the balcony of any type. But the rooms, you know, are are the same with the ocean view and the balcony, other than the balcony suite. So it had you know it had the bed, and we had a a, a couch plus two chairs plus a coffee table. So it just everything at at two hundred you know two hundred eighty square feet, we had a lot more space to move around. Before before we do a deeper dive, pun intended, into your excursions, <laughs> I, I'd love to know what kinds of activities and amenities were on board this ship, and what kinds of stuff you could do when you were, you know when you weren't at port. They had a spa. They had a gym. The spa even had some of the heated loungers, which were available for anyone to go in and use, no extra charge. They had a gym. They had the deck, top deck with the room up front, an indoor lounge up front. So we spent some time up there talking to people. A coffee bar was up there and it was filled with games and puzzles if folks wanted to to do that during the day. There were some cooking demonstrations. There was entertainment each night. Certainly not a Broadway theater show, but there were different entertainers. And then a couple of nights, they brought on board local entertainment. So we had lay making classes and or in Tahiti, they call it a hay. It's a hay making class instead of a lay making class. Did you have any Polynesian dancers or anything? Right. They brought um, a group of children on board one afternoon. So the children's dance dancers came. They were they were cutest to be. That was one of the days it rained. So they ended up it was supposed to be out on the pool deck and it ended up moving into the I won't call it a theater, but the 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 lounge area with the theater seating. And then of course we had port talks every day that talked about the history and, and culture of every, each place we were stopping. And we had some special guests on board for our particular sailing who gave some extra talks. That's not something that always happens, but some folks that lived on the islands and uh, were involved in, in research with the marine animals there. And they gave some extra talks. And how many people are on board the sailing? I guess how many people could the ship hold and then how many, how full was it? 
they could hold over 300 and we were we it was less it was under 50% in January when we were on board that was right after the the omicron spike and travel was getting a little interesting again and lots of t- I think we took five tests total by the time we actually boarded the ship oh my goodness so a lot of that's been loosened now but yeah we we tested twice before we left home we were tested a rapid pool and a PCR when we landed in Tahiti in the airport. And then Windstar tested us again before they let us board. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, if you had COVID, they would have found it. <laughs> they, I mean, we, yeah, we were good. They, Windstar tested us in a tent next to the ship and then took us straight to our suite. And everyone stayed in their suite until for a couple of hours until they had, and that was a PCR, until they had the PCR results come back. And then they came room by room and let us know we could leave the room. It looks like, so the other thing from an amenities standpoint, I'm curious about the pool deck here. It actually looks like it has a pretty decent pool for a ship this size. It Um, had a decent pool and a hot tub and plenty of loungers on both levels. So there was lots of places to just sort of hang out and enjoy the scenery, which is part of what you're there for in Tahiti for sure. And we were never too far away from land because it's such a compact area that we were traveling. Well, and for those that love Disney, I see a photo here of a self-serve, soft-serve machine. So you can get the ice cream on board just like you can at Disney. <laughs> it wasn't self-serve while we were on board. They they did it for us um, because of COVID protocols. We were all still masked during that cruise. Well, so, so we've talked about some activities and such. I, you know, I'm also curious. I, I don't expect this to be a big item, but like shopping on board the ship. Did they have shops on board? They had a little shop on board and they had some, you know, local type items and then what she would expect for folks that maybe didn't get on board with all their luggage, you know, enough to get them through and all the personal items that one might need. So there was a store or two on board. They had some of the pearl jewelry and things there. And of course, there was plenty of places to shop in every stop. So one difference usually between Disney and other cruise lines is a casino. Is the ship big enough that they had gambling on board or no? This one did not have a casino. I've toured I've toured some of the Seaborn ships. They have an itty bitty casino, but this one did not. All right, let's let's shift gears for a second and talk about some of these ports that you you visited and what the experience was like there. I mean, the benefit of some of these smaller ships is you can get into some places that you otherwise couldn't with the larger ones. So what was the port experience like for you at the various ports? And you know, what kinds of excursions did they offer that you took advantage of? I know you did, you mentioned diving earlier, but what other kinds of things? Um, there was several different options for people who wanted to snorkel. They didn't have to bring their own snorkel gear. There was snorkel gear available on the ship so they could pick it up and keep it with them for the whole week, keep it in their room and then return it down on that water sport deck at the end of the sailing. Uh, we went to Morea, Reatea, Bora Bora, and Waini. We chose to dive in... In Bora Bora, we were at overnight. We had more than one day there. So we dove in Morea, Reatea, and Bora Bora one of our days. We arranged that through Windstar. They they handled the booking of the diving. There were three of us on board that dove. The, my, my husband and I and then um, one other gentleman dove with us. The dive operation actually brought their dive boats up to the ship and picked us up. Oh, wow. So like super convenient. <laughs> yeah, just like you would board a tender, the, the dive dive uh, boat pulled right up there. They opened the door and the, the walkway was down and we hopped on board. And when we came back, we hopped right back off soaking wet and trooped up the stairs. So that was, you know, that was that was something we'd never experienced before. So did they, I, did they provide like the tanks of air and you just have all the other gear? Right. And that we, we happen to have our own dive gear. We, we've been certified since we lived in Fort Lauderdale. So we happen to have our own dive gear and, and prefer to take it with us when we can. If you didn't have your own, you could have gotten gear from them. So and yeah, and then they, they bring the weights in the tanks. Oh, right. You don't want to put weights in your luggage. That seems like another, <laughs> not, not a very economical. Yeah, that's counterproductive. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I had a chance to meet several of the agents from My Path Unwinding Travel on a recent cruise we did out of New Orleans in February, our first time sailing concierge. And let me tell you, those agents were so nice, so welcoming, and so knowledgeable to us. They answered all of our questions about concierge, even though we had not booked our vacation through them. We have since joined several of their fabulous Facebook groups where we've learned more about concierge and had even more questions answered. And let me tell you, they are just so 
responsive, so knowledgeable, so welcoming, such a positive energy in this community that we were so excited to welcome them on as our new show sponsor. So if you are interested in booking your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, you've been curious about concierge, you've been eyeing an adventures by Disney, you've been wanting to explore an all-inclusive vacation or some new destination that maybe Disney doesn't go to, let me tell you, Karen and her agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel are the people to talk to. And remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent to book your travel. They get paid at the time you travel. And so you are leaving this great knowledge and expertise on the table if you're not using a travel agent to book your next fantastic vacation. So head on over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo so they know we sent you and we know you'll have an amazing experience with Karen and the entire team over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks, My Path Unwinding Travel, for sponsoring the show. And now back to our episode. You know, so it's interesting to me as we're talking ports here. Look, and so I'm looking at the itinerary. It looks like you are actually ported every day, right? You're not. There's no. There's no sea day. There's no day at sea because there's. You know, you're. You've got all that time anyway. And we're. Like I said the distance we actually traveled was so small. Everything. It, it wasn't far that we were going. Uh, we we sailed mainly at night, and it just wasn't far that we were going. So there was an opportunity to do something every day between the. The official island stops and then that that motu that private island day so yeah let's talk more about the excursions and what else did you do we did a city tour or an island tour in waimi they picked us up we rode in the back of a pickup trucks that had benches and covers over them and we did a circular tour of the island and that was available at just about every island you know they took us up up the mountains to get the view of everything looking down they took us around into the cities took us to different historical places in Waini. I don't know if you've ever heard there was we visited the eels. There's the the sacred eels that live on Waini and we visited the eels and just saw learned a lot about their the culture and the history of the people that settled those islands and how they live today as well. because um, it was locals touring us and, and really giving us a taste of how they live. Lots of snorkeling, lots of kayaking. There were a couple of spots where the snorkeling was offered. It was a drift snorkeling in the current. Um, and we did we did do that one day in addition to the diving. But there were several in the group with us, of course, that weren't divers. So it was we, we walked up the beach, got into the water and drifted with the current down past all the fish and the coral and the clear water and the colorful coral to see all of that. And then we we got back out and we just did it again and again. Oh my goodness! Went, went, every time you went through it all, you saw something different, but you didn't have to swim. You didn't have to kick. The current just carried you past it all. That's awesome. That's my kind of snorkeling. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> it was gorgeous. Lazy snorkeling. <laughs> and as, as we're talking about ports here too, are you are you tendered at most? Are you anchored? I guess as a, at most of these, or are you actually docked? It was about half and half. Laurea and Reteo, we were able to dock. Reatea, we docked on a Saturday and there was some activity in shops at the port in that area. Shops were open, but on Saturday, they only stayed open until noon. So you needed to get off and get your shopping done early before they all closed back down. And then Bora Bora and Waini, we were, we were anchored and tendered in and they used the ship's lifeboats to tender us in. Any other short excursions that we've missed here that, that were real highlights for you? We didn't get to do it because we were diving. Some of the people did some tours of pearl farms and actually got in the water and dove down and picked a pearl. And I know that was something that was really unique to see how they culture the pearls and grow them in the area and and then be able to pick one out. And then if they wanted to have it set into a piece of jewelry. So it's it's kind of like picking a pearl at Epcot, but not exactly. (laughs) A little bit more real. (laughs) <laughs> but it's still a pearl farm, so it's still not like finding one in the wild. It's not, not in the wild. They, they they string them up and you, you could dive down and pick one. And they, they taught them how they did all that. I wonder if we've come to that point where we need to talk about food. How many restaurants are on board a ship of this size? Uh, yeah, they for food, there was the, the main dining room with open seating every night. They would, again, this was January, so high to COVID. They would seat you with other people if you wanted to dine with other people or if you preferred to dine with just your party, they would make sure you had a table alone. They also offered room service. So some people had the main dining room food. They chose to have room service and have it in their room. There is a buffet. It's a small buffet on the back of the ship. has indoor and outdoor seating. Part of their 
COVID protocol was that they served us. So we walked by the buffet, we ordered what we wanted, and then we were seated and it was brought to us. Now, were both of these places open for all meals, meaning the sit-down dining room and the buffet, or were they only open for certain meals? The sit, the main dining room was only open at dinner time. The buffet was open all three meals. There is also a small outdoor pool grill area, and they had barbecue. That's where you saw the ice cream machine. So that was available at lunch. They have two specialty restaurants on all of their ships. So the main dining room was available every night. There was the Star Grill up by the pool that served at lunch. Quadro 44 is one of their specialty restaurants. It is a very small, intimate space. So one of their uh, changes during during January for their COVID protocols was Quadro 44 did not serve inside. They actually moved it to that Star Grill area and it was outdoor dining. And of course, the weather was perfect for that. So it was sort of the same restaurant, same menu, same food. It was just in a different location just simply because the other one is so small and there wasn't a good way to separate people enough. And then the um, steakhouse on, on this ship did not have its own space. It took over the buffet at night. Oh, okay. So you didn't so you had, uh, you didn't have like a true buffet. You had a steakhouse instead. You, in had, you had a sit-down steakhouse and everybody was seated in the outside area. Um, these specialty restaurants, they are included. There was no extra upcharge for them. You just had to make a reservation. So everyone gets at least one chance to dine at each. Um, we made the reservations and the time selection. We made that as we board, boarded the ship. So after we checked in, we had our Oh, COVID so not test, even which, in advance. So you mm-hmm. all, it's... Yeah. Okay. So at that point, did you know what excursions you were doing, though? So you kind of know what your schedule is? Right. It was all, I mean, you had seen the brochure, so you kind of knew, and most of the excursions were done by four or five in the afternoon. There, You didn't really run the risk of missing a meal time because of it. We just sort of, you know, they showed what the openings were and everybody could pick. And then once everybody got a chance to try each one, then, you know, extra available seatings you could go by. And again, part of that was because our sailing was not at full capacity. But those were included. That's There's no no upcharge. And it's kind of nice that they don't didn't give people priority based on, you know, like castaway clubs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you're not dealing with the seven dwarves for hours on end um, <laughs> because the website's crashing. <laughs> so how was the main dining experience? It was good. It was good. It was, it was very upscale. Um, the service itself, the, the, ser- the quality of the service was just about the best I've ever seen on any ship and any restaurant. They, that staff was well-trained and truly coordinated. When they brought the food, all the servers from that area came to make sure they actually put everyone's plate down all in a coordinated timing. I mean, they were, it was, it was impeccable. It was, it was really unbelievable. They, the crew was so friendly and all across the ship and in every, every restaurant, everyone we came across was um, just super friendly and excited for us to be there. Where where was most of the crew from? And then contrast that with where were most of the passengers from? Most of the crew was from Indonesia and the Philippines. The one, folks we talked to, we actually talked to some of the guys. They Their contracts ended and they were waiting with us at the airport to head home um, because their contract had been wrapped up and they were headed home for vacation. The uh, passengers were probably mostly American. Canadians were just beginning to sneak out of Canada at that point. <laughs> there, were, there were some Canadians on board. I would imagine in a non-pandemic time frame, there would be more people from Australia and New Zealand. But at that point, they really were not traveling outside of their own country. Well, how was the, did the experience in the specialty restaurant surpass what you experienced in main dining or just on par then? The food was, it was fabulous everywhere. Because of that, the Quadra 44 being in, it's hard to compare what it might have been like in its, you know, where we were supposed to be. Food was great. Service was great. I would love to experience at a different time, you know, once we're a few more months past this and they're serving in their designed location. I'd love to try it again. Well, so the atmosphere, it sounds like, was maybe not as good as it could be for that outdoor space. But was the food as good or better than the main dining food? Because it sounds like the main dining food was amazing. We thought it was all great. We thought it was all great. So I don't, I wouldn't, you know, 
especially right. It was great for, you know, something different and change and to try it. But the food in the, in the Amafora restaurant was so great that it was all good. You, you don't hear that, you know, on main dining on most. Right. <laughs> on <laughs> most large cruises. They're just not dealing in the same kind of volume. They're just not. Well, I'm curious, you mentioned the serving staff being sort of above and beyond what you've experienced in other cruise lines. How about the staff in general? It looks like from the website, they have about a one crew member to every one and a half guests. So that's a pretty... Yeah, it's just a pretty high ratio for sure. Um, we Our stateroom attendant was fabulous, took care of everything immediately, even worked around us having all of our dive gear spread everywhere in the floor. So they, yeah, I didn't hear anyone complaining about stateroom attendants or anything they experienced along the way. Is there a spa on board, Jennifer? Yeah, there was a small spa. And um, for the first time ever, we won something at the spa raffle. We never <laughs> we never win at the spa raffle. We would always Nobody drop a name. Wins. I don't Nobody believe wins. that anybody wins. <laughs> well, we, we won about a $25 gift certificate and, and I took one for the team. I might believe it or not, my husband took it and he had a shave and a facial because he's never had any sort of spa experience like that. So I said, you know what? Oh, Your that turn. was nice of you. I thought I thought that was very nice of me. It was close to his birthday. We'll call that his birthday present. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That there just you means go. you don't you didn't have to get him anything else for his birthday. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Remember when I did that? <laughs> Anything on board not live up to your expectations uh, while you were sailing with Windstar? We were exhausted every night, so we didn't stay up. We just there there was, you know, I don't know that I'll call it partying, but there was nighttime entertainment we couldn't stay awake for. So between, you know, between, so it was, it was us, not them. Uh, we just, we, we had a great experience. We loved it. And, you know, I, I don't know that we went into it with a lot of expectations. It was more exploring and trying this brand that we, we had not tried. You know, I've learned about it. I've done the courses. I've even booked it for clients, but I hadn't been able to experience it myself. And it, it's always great to go and see and do, do it for yourself and see what you think. And when you're actually the one there. Who is Windstar for, Jennifer? And 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 who might reconsider it? It sounds like one group of people who might reconsider before going is, you know, if you're traveling with kids, it doesn't sound like the best opportunity for you. But who is Windstar for? Windstar is for people that want to go a little further off the beaten path and see those smaller ports and try those more exotic itineraries without having to do it all on their own and traveling by land and having to find a hotel and a place to eat every night. You know, that's the beauty of cruising. Once you're on board, you've unpacked once, you know where your meals are going to be and you can just enjoy what you do during the day, come back to the ship and have that familiar environment at night. So Windstar is for people who are ready to explore a little beyond our traditional cruise itineraries, but also want the comfort and the ease of having things taken care of for them. It's not as adventurous as some of the expedition itineraries. It's not an uncruise um, where everything's more rustic. There's there's a you know a lot of luxury to it, but it's still not it's not stuffy. Um, the dress we all dressed fairly casually. No one needed to have a, a tux or a ball gown. Everyone was friendly. Everyone, you know, we didn't know each other when we boarded, but we certainly, it was easy to sit down and um, share a table with someone either in Amafora in the restaurant or at, at those um, meals on the island to sit down and share a table and talk to people. Everyone was friendly. Everyone was open and welcoming. The wind stars for those who are, you know, not, not top of the line luxury not looking for for that, but also not wanting rustic, total outdoorsy. It, it, it's a good mix in the middle in between the two. You mentioned this off air. It goes a lot of places. So, I mean, they seem to, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was, I was I'm browsing around their site as we're talking. I'm, I've just stumbled on a West Coast Epicurean extravaganza cruise. I mean, they're cruising down the West Coast of the U.S., but they're in Asia and Europe. It seems like they're in a lot of places. Yeah, they're they're in Northern Europe. They're in the Mediterranean. They are in the past and headed back as things reopen to do some stops in, J in Japan, Asia, and then um, that route, Fiji, New Zealand, Australia. So they, they truly are everywhere and they can get those ships. When you're on a small ship like that, you can get into the port, you know, sailing, sailing in Southeast Asia on a big ship, you're going to be docking way out of town and getting bussed in. But on a smaller ship, you are right in the center of things. You hop off the ship and you're right in the city centers instead of all that extra transit time. 
Sam, we can just head north to Vancouver and we can sail back to Seattle and into San Francisco and San Diego. So uh, on a on a ten night Epicurean extravaganza, sounds interesting. Right there intriguing. in the backyard. There <laughs> you go, Sam. Any more questions about Windstar that that uh, I haven't asked or you haven't asked? No, I'm ready for rapid fire, Brian. Ready for rapid fire. All right. Well, it's that time in our show when I'm going to hand you over to Sam, who's going to subject you to arbitrary rules for rapid fire. So Sam, take it away. <laughs> That is right. All right, Jen. So this is our rapid fire round where I typically ask you your Disney favorites, but we're going to switch it up this time. I'm going to ask you a couple of Disney favorites, but then I'm going to ask you some versus questions and we're going to pit Disney Cruise Line up against Windstar. Oh, that is an unfair comparison. I, <laughs> I know. It's diff- it, it, it is in a lot of ways. That's what we do on the show. We, <laughs> we, give, you, we give people the unfair choices. All there right. you go. All right. All right, Jen, first we have to start with who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Megara. Oh, I love that. Hercules. Oh, my goodness. I love her song, too. I won't say I'm in love. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Hercules. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite Disney song? Would it be bad if I said I can't say I'm in love? (laughs) (laughs) No. Nothing wrong with that. It's the best song in that movie. Now we're going to do some versus questions. So Disney Cruise Line versus Windstar, ease of booking. Well, I'm a travel agent. So, (laughs) I mean, the answer is you just call your travel agent or you email your travel agent and it's all easy. It is worth pointing out for those of you who commit the cardinal sin of not using a travel agent, which we highly recommend. uh, Windstar has to be booked through an agent as, as it looks like from their website. You have to call them. You can't just book online directly as you could with like a Disney Cruise Line. Or a royal crew. Right. It would be, you know, if you if you choose to book direct, it would be it would still be a phone booking. So I guess Disney has maybe the edge because you can book online, but still book through your travel agent. Disney won't get the edge until I can book through an app. That's that's, that's when you have <laughs> that's when you have the edge when you can just book through well, the app the, as you're on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who has better onboard activities? Disney or Windstar? Disney probably has a little more in the way of activities going on. Oh, we loved those game shows in the D Lounge when my (laughs) kids were small. We were there every night for all those game shows. That was such a great thing. How about characters? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we could say that the entertainment, the head of entertainment was a character. But as far as, you know, hugging a mouse, Disney's got the edge there. Fair enough. All right. Who has better bar or lounge spaces? Disney? Or Windstar. Windstar is so intimate. They're, you know, the, the the lounge space was really us having a drink out on the pool deck and, and someone coming by and bringing it right to us. So, well, I, there was a little dance party one night. Like I said, we couldn't stay up for it. So, you know, in terms of a dedicated space, we might have to give that one to Disney. But in terms of just absolute chill vibe of uh, hanging out and, and looking at the gorgeous scenery around us, uh, Windstar takes it there. Who's got better cabins, Disney or Windstar? Well, I do love Disney Cruise Line and all the innovative strategies they have to add extra space, have a family of four or five in one stateroom and their split bathrooms. You know, they do their thing for families. But we did love the larger stateroom we had with Windstar and that walk-in closet and that that larger bathroom where we each had our own sink. Yeah, I was going to say, it looked like from the Windstar website that some of the, like, even the suite level staterooms only sleep three. There might be like a grand, a grand suite or or an owner suite that sleeps four, but yeah. 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 They just don't, because they don't cater to families. Like our stateroom had a, it would have had, it was the bed and then it would have had a sleeper sofa to accommodate a third. Makes, makes total sense. Sort of, it's sort of like river cruising. Like we, we can go as a family of three. But if we had a family of four, we'd have to get two staterooms. Very much, very much. It, it's it, there's a lot that was similar again because we just did a river cruise last September. There's a lot that we felt was similar in terms of the not only the people on board and the demographic that was sailing it with us, but just not needing to dress up, the casualness of of the experience, along with the, the really high quality food and service level. That brings me to those. <laughs> you literally just said what my last two questions. <laughs> well, actually, I have a final question after that. But my the next two categories, which are food and service. Let's start with food. 
Who does it better, Disney or Windstar? I think Windstar takes it on the food. That's actually even, not surprising. Even, even specialty dining? You know, there was that one meal in Remy, you know, Remy and Palo. That's certainly, certainly an experience too. So, you know, if, if you're, if you're going to take it up to that level, it's hard to say, but for, for the, for as on the whole, yeah, on the whole. And again, it's, you know, it's part of, it's just the volume. It's just the volume that they do. Yeah. We'll give food to Windstar. So the next category is service. I'm afraid for this answer, but I think I know what it's going to be. <laughs> Disney versus Windstar. You know, we and we've always had great service with Disney, but we'll have to give that one to Windstar too, simply for their guest to staff ratio uh, and, and those small spaces and just what they can do with what they have. It's both such wonderful experiences. They're just not not the same category. So we'll have to give that one over to Windstar as well. But I still love my Disney Cruise Line. Did you hear of anyone with issues on board that they had to, you know, resolve with staff? And did, you know, did that resolve in a way that you would have imagined Disney would have handled it too? You know, we really didn't. We really didn't. There just wasn't anything going on that caused any, I mean, not that we knew of. Uh, and, and we sure didn't either. We had, well, we had one day um, we came back and we're getting cleaned up between diving and dinner and the, the water coming out of our uh, shower, it was just, it was rusty. It was yellow, rusty water. And we reported it and someone came right away and it was all cleared up, you know, so whatever that was, why it was. Uh, and, and it didn't happen again. It wasn't ongoing and, you know, and, and they responded certainly appropriately and, and right away. So I mean, that, that's honestly the only thing I could say that we ever had to call them for or ask for any help with. Okay. So my final question, let's say you tomorrow could book a cruise and it's any cruise you want. Are you booking a Disney cruise? Are you booking a Windstar cruise? Or are you booking something totally different? And if so, what? I want to go on all the cruises. <laughs> I want to go on all the cruises. I want to go back for another river cruise. I have a client that is getting off a 14-night Avalon cruise through Europe tomorrow. I want to go on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to go back to Tahiti. I want to go on Windsor. I want to go on all the cruises. So, but I, I'm getting on Harmony of the Seas a week from yesterday. So, you know... I was on this. I was on this tiny ship in, in January. We were on Celebrity in April, and we're headed out on Harmony this season next week. So, I'll take them all. I'm an equal opportunity cruise lover. I, you I know, love I, it. I don't. I don't discriminate. I want to go on all the cruises. That's that sounds good to me. I I love that, and and I imagine that you know if your kids were younger, you would you'd probably not be uh, sort of tending towards the smaller ships and you'd probably tend towards the bigger ships just because they accommodate kids and have more kid activities, but your kids yeah, are older. They're certainly, so. Yeah. They're, they're getting to be older and they won't be cruising with us much longer. We we're dying to get on the wish. Um, we're dying to get on the wish. So definitely want to go and see it. Um, but yeah, this, this will probably be the last cruise taking the kids on Harmony. They're 18 now. So they're in that uh, la la land where they can't go to the teen club anymore, but they also can't hang out in the bars, but they're headed off to college. So except for paying for college, we're, we're certainly much more free with our time to do all the cruises. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jennifer, really appreciate you playing along with us on our rapid fire round. And especially for coming on and sharing your experience with Windstar Cruises. If you make it on board the wish or another fabulous sailing, we'd love to have you back. Uh, Cause it's always fun to just talk cruising in general and understand what else is out there. I know we talked on the show that uh, if you want to book one of these fabulous Windstar cruises, you got to call them or you got to call your travel agent. We always recommend the travel agent route for sure. And I uh, want to make sure, Jennifer, that uh, folks can find you. So you want to let them know how they can find you if they want to book a fabulous cruise? For sure, for sure. I am Jen at touringplans.com. That's J-E-N at touringplans.com. I am on Facebook. If you search for Jennifer Upton Touring Plans, you will find me. I am on Instagram as well, Jen underscore Touring Plans. And I'm always happy to help people book any any type of cruise. Disney Cruise Line, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, River Cruises. If it's a ship and it goes, I want to be on it. <laughs> help people get there too. <laughs> We are we are kindred spirits, yeah. If it floats, <laughs> call Jen. There you go. Large, big ships, little ships, rivers, oceans. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I want to come with you. See, I, I will refine. I'll say if it floats, has a restaurant and a bar, then call me. Uh, and, and, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> All right. Well, Jen, thanks again so much for coming on and sharing your experience with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And it's a good time talking to you guys. 
Well, we hope you enjoyed hearing from Jennifer all about her fabulous Windstar cruise. We love to bring folks on to share other kinds of cruising experiences that are out there. So you have choices in where you can spend your cruising dollar. Obviously, we're big Disney Cruise Line fans, but we do hope to eventually branch out to some other cruise lines ourselves. We've tried some in the past and they just haven't been for us, but uh, we always give them another look and can't wait to try out some of the other experiences out there. The small ship sailing and expedition cruising sounds like so much fun. So big thanks to Jennifer for coming on and sharing her experience with us. With that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from Working Retail Again, exclamation point. So I hope that's a good thing. They write informative and fun. I look forward to this weekly podcast. They provide honest and informative feedback on DCL and Disney parks. I love how they provide a kid's perspective. Their elementary age son comes on the show regularly. Yes, Nathan is the star of our show whenever he's on. Love to bring him on to have his perspective. We actually have a show coming up that will feature him and a friend out there who's a fan of Nathan and another show coming up uh, in a few weeks with uh, just the perspective of some kids on the sailing on the Disney Wish. So watch out for those. So thanks for the review. We really, really appreciate it. With that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews. If you don't have time to leave us a written review, just hit those five stars. But if you leave us a written review, we will be sure to read it on the air at each week at the end of our main episode. So head over there, leave us those reviews. You can also connect with the DCL Duo by browsing to dclduo.com where you can find our blog, links off to our YouTube channel and all the various ways to connect with us. So head over there and check that out. As I mentioned, we have a vlog. Just browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo for the content that's over there. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also leave us a voicemail over on our voicemail line, 402-413-5590, 402-413-5590. Leave us your questions, your comments. We will play them on the air and respond to them on the air as well. So head over there, check that out. You can also join our DCL Duo Vlog and Podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash Duo to choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to support the show each and every month. Or you can head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash Duo to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just make sure to use that link so that they know we sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.